I'd been studying um, First Peter and uh, so I decided to speak uh, on this passage out of chapter 3 um, and this morning I want to think um, and turn our minds towards unity in the church. Um, it's a topic that's really close to my heart, I'm really passionate about it. I certainly get um, quite sad and angry at disunity in the church and uh, I personally have seen examples where churches are exploding with growth numbers um, climbing, everything seems well but in just a short space of time uh, the church collapses with disunity and dysfunction and, and dwindles down and I think all of us um, have had um, experiences of, of disunity in the church um, and it's something that we need to be reminded of I think and we can never take each other in our communities for granted uh, it's something we need to continually work at by God's grace as that Ephesians passage talked about we have this incredible unity, one faith, one Lord, one baptism and, but uh, Paul urges us in, in that passage in Ephesians to um, make every effort to keep that unity and work on it. And so I wonder this morning um, as we contemplate unity um, what your experiences are. Maybe at a congregational level um, you've seen some major splits Certainly there's denominations in Australia and America and around the world that have had uh, major doctrinal splits. Maybe you've seen uh, minor scuffles, leadership, dramas, the flowers on the wrong side of the church. I hope that's not a contentious issue here. Um, And just the music we play, the way we sing, the way our services are run, there seems to be a myriad of issues that we face that um, can be divisive. Or maybe just at a personal level you've really been offended or upset by um, something that someone's done to you, you've had a hard time forgiving them. Um, And I think um, if we're honest with ourselves, we're all part of the problem. There's no one here who hasn't contributed to disunity in the church, whether that's by an unkind word, whether that's by slandering someone or saying something unkind, whether it's just being um, proud. Because we're sinners, it's inevitable we do um, cause friction and disunity among each other and so I hope this morning um, there's something for everyone as we consider the topic of unity. Um, Because we're jumping in at chapter 3, Peter I wanted to just um, look at the context in the first um, two chapters briefly. So Peter is writing to a a wide group of Christians spread out through Asia Minor, modern day Turkey in the blue shading there. And they're scattered Christians. There's been a lot of persecution in the church. Uh, As a result, um, Peter's writing to encourage them, um, also telling them how to get along well together. And so in in the first chapter of Peter, he reminds them of the great salvation they have. Jesus has come and given his life um, and at the cross he's made forgiveness possible for these saints. So um, there's this glorious hope they have. Despite the suffering they're in, Um, there's a hope that can be never taken from them. This inheritance by Jesus rising from the dead, um, his grace at work in their lives means that when they die, they get to spend eternity with Christ, no more sin, uh, no more suffering. And so as a result of that salvation, Peter outlines a few things that um, should be a result of that. The first is in the heart, heart and mind. And so we see that um, Peter says we'll be filled with an inexpressible joy and our whole worldview will be transformed as we consider Jesus as the Lord. 
So we'll now live lives of obedience, we'll live lives of purity and holiness and we'll turn away from evil and um, futile and empty ways of living. So Peter encourages them um, to get rid of all the evil in their lives and and, uh, be pure and holy for God. And then uh, the practical outworkings of those two things, of the inward transformation and of turning to Christ and turning from evil, um, Peter outlines submission. And so um, submission is this central idea that runs through the whole Christian faith. Peter talks about um, three areas of submission. He talks about, um, or four areas, but uh, he talks about submitting to all human authorities for Christ's sake. Um, He talks about the workplace, masters and slaves, um, telling slaves to, to be submissive to their masters. And then he talks about the home and he asks wives to submit to their husbands and husbands to be considerate and honour their wives. Um, And then we come to today's passage where um, Peter says, okay, everyone, in every context, um, this is what it looks like to be a Christian and live out the transformed life that we have by the salvation that we've got. And so today's passage is not primarily about unity as such, It's every Christian in every context, work, home, church, but I really want to look at the application um, that it has for us in terms of church unity. So I just want to quickly read this first part of the passage again and uh, we read here, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil, or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So he's previously given instructions in different contexts, government and the home and the workplace. Here he gives us instructions for all Christians. And I want to go through each of those things today and just look at at, uh, what we can learn from them, how we can apply them in the context of church unity. But before I do that, I just want to give you a bit of a background of my own upbringing and uh, that will come back in references as we look at these individual points. So I I grew up in quite a conservative um, Christian home. Um, We didn't have a TV until I was in my teens and we only ever listened to Christian music. Um, We went to church every Sunday, always wore our Sunday best and then the rest of the day we had to rest, couldn't do anything too exciting. Um, And my mum from a young age read us the Bible and she prayed with me every single night until I left home at uh, 18 or so. And uh, I had a lot, lots of good exposure to, to good teaching. Um, used to listen to a lot of teaching on the radio, maybe an, an hour a day in the, at the um, end of my high school and had some good teachers. Uh, and when I came to university, I lived at a residential college because um, I went to Melbourne Uni. And uh, I lived with 130 other students. And it was really then, and maybe a bit earlier, but then I really started to engage with a lot of Christians from different walks and I started to realise not everyone grew up in the same home I did and had the same background. So I've learned a lot about unity through that. Um, I have to admit I've learnt the hard way a lot of the time and I'm still learning a lot. Um, and I think my failures in some of these areas of unity that we'll go through today have, have um, really been learned in that hotbed of mixing with so many different types of Christians and different denominations. And uh, so now I can say I've been to um, every major denomination in Australia. 
and I've interacted with hundreds of students and things and I've, um, it's really given me a lot broader passage. I think when I grew up I had this idea of what Christianity was about and what it meant to be in, that, in the best denomination or this or this or that but I've um, learnt that God's idea of it is a lot bigger. There won't be a, a Baptist section in heaven and a Brethren section, a section for the old, section for the young. We'll all be worshipping and fellowshipping together. And so our job is here on earth to try and make that a reality as well. So the first uh, one we come to today is like-minded or in some translations be of one mind. And uh, one of the points there I've said is it doesn't mean everyone needs to think in exactly the same way about everything. That makes a monotony, not unity. And uh, I think I'm in a good position in that I grew up in such a conservative environment but I've interacted with a lot of um, younger generation people with different ideas and I tend to find I can understand perspectives of different people in the church. Um, so I typically wear a collar for the old people and jeans for the young people. Um, but I think, I think um, in general, like-mindedness doesn't talk about this clone. It talks about um, central agreement on the truths of our faith. So there is no compromise about Christ as the Lord, about his um, you know, burial, physical burial to, and death to sin um, on the cross and his, his physical resurrection. There's a lot of central truths we can really hold to and we need to share them or we can't work together, we can't have unity. Um, but fundamentally our focus, and this is what we all need to have, is a focus on bringing glory to God is our first and foremost thing. If we're all about that, then it'll, a lot of other things will fall out in the wash. And in that, um, bringing the good news to the lost is another key um, concern on God's heart. And so I, I raised clothing as an issue there, um, as an example. It's something that's uh, an older generation saw that you dress up for the Queen, why shouldn't you dress up for God? A younger generation might see a different way of clothing as um, looking nice. I get dressed by my my wife tells me what to wear, so that's easy. Um, but God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the externalities and we learn that in Samuel and elsewhere. Um, and so a lot of these issues that we can potentially be divided about, we don't need to be and they can be peripherals. There's some important issues which we need to work hard at and it's always a tricky thing finding the balance on that. But certainly like-mindedness, we can ask ourselves the question, am I pursuing Christ? Am I seeking to bring glory to God in what I'm doing? And am I seeking to bring the lost to know Christ? And if we can see that in other people, even if they've got wildly different ideas to us about a lot of other things, then we can really work together. And I've said there as an application that I think we really need to get into the Word together. Um, so much of our disagreement in the Word can be just because we're not studying enough. The more we study it, the more we get God's perspective on, okay, this issue's got this much devoted to it, it's this size. This issue has this, got this much devoted to it, it's this size. And so we get a real perspective of what God thinks is important. Um, so all of us need to be in the Word as often as we can be and stay close to Christ. The second uh, item that Peter mentions is sympathetic, being sympathetic. And I think the key here is that everyone's at a different stage of the journey. I'm at a very different stage to everyone else in this 
um, church, different life stage, different different understanding in my faith. God's revealed different things to me than he has to you um, through our different walks. And um, also to part of being sympathetic in our community together is understanding that people's current situation and circumstances. I know I've been like an um, elephant in a china shop sometimes and charged into this situation thinking I can give advice only to find that I've really just you know, um, come in in a destructive way when I really should have just listened first, cared to what the person had to say and understand their current situation and uh, would have made my input and encouragement far more relevant. And I learnt this at college a lot um, and I think I was, I'd um, come to college, um, I'd read the, already re- read the Bible through cover to cover several times, I'd listened to all these sermons and I wanted to apply that to myself and everyone else um, and sometimes I was just directing material that was just either above and beyond where someone was at in their journey or just they were struggling with something that um, really needed addressing first before we could um, work on encouraging and growing in other areas of their faith. Um, so I think this sympathy really looks like listening and caring first and then speak second if needed. Um, so James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak and I think um, sympathy really embodies that. And I've said there too that it doesn't mean we have to put up with sinful behaviour or sit back and go, oh, that's really tough, I'm not going to challenge you about that area because sometimes in the community we need to challenge each other about our sin. And we've got love here. Um, I just quickly want to duck to another passage here in Colossians um, where Paul writes, Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to say about love so that was said it for me. Love is just this coverall that um, really strengthens our community and binds all these other virtues together. But it's a doing word and... um, I think for me it, it really asks the question, what are we doing to serve each other? Are we coming to just receive at church? Is, it, is church about what we can get? Or are we coming with full love tanks saying, who can I bless today? Who can I give to? Who can I serve? And I think that's what Peter wants us to be like, not just in church, um, but in our workplace, in our homes. But here I'm applying it to union in the church. The next... Um, thing Paul, uh, Peter mentions is compassion and I see um, I was thinking about Jesus and how he demonstrates compassion and I, I see these two really um, key areas one is in the area of carrying others burdens, Galatians 6.2 talks about that as well carry each other's burdens and so fulfil the law of Christ um, Jesus ultimately carried our sin burden, there's no greater burden to be carried Um, But I think for us in community, as we carry each other's burdens, sometimes that can be someone's going through a difficult time, maybe they've had surgery, maybe something's going wrong in their family. Um, But also I think it talks about um, encouraging someone if they're struggling with sin. We all struggle. Um, I've never met a Christian that doesn't struggle with sin. If you've come across the solution, uh, let me know. But John says that if we claim we're without sin, we're liars and the truth isn't in us. And so... 
as Hebrews says in chapter 12, uh, sin can easily entangle us and we need to encourage each other daily so that we're not hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And that compassion always remembers that I'm also a sinner with a sin nature. I've been forgiven by grace. Um, But we know what it is to struggle with sin and we can get alongside someone else and carry their burden and their struggle. Guaranteed there's people in this church really struggling with some sin in their life and they need encouragement, they need help. Um, So it's it's a way we can really help each other. The second area, I think, um, and this unites us as a church, is a broken heart for the lost and unsaved. Um, It's the second area we see of Jesus and I think of him Um, John the Baptist has just been murdered, his cousin. Um, Jesus is seeking a quiet place and then the crowds throng after him and he has compassion on them and and outputs um, yet more energy. Um, And I I see that compassion and I think if we just have the slightest glimpse of the, the fate of those who are unsaved, the slightest glimpse of the agonies and horrors of hell, then we'll have this compassion that unites us as a body. We won't, we won't be worried about which side of the church the flowers are on because there's people who are going to lost eternity and they need to know about Christ. And so we carry that um, common goal of uh, reaching the lost. And your application here. I wonder whose burdens you're carrying at the moment in the church or maybe elsewhere in your life um, and who you're really seeking to reach for Christ and um, that's something to prayerfully consider. If you're not carrying enough burdens, there's plenty to be carried. Don't feel like there's nothing to carry. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm still getting to know everyone here, so I don't know of all your, of all your burdens yet, and I can't carry them all anyway, um, but I'll certainly try to carry some as I get to know people more. The next uh, virtue is humble-minded. Um, some some translations will say courteous. Uh, the original language um, in the Greek talks about a mind that's not too far off the ground. And um, humility is something I've been chasing the entire time. I've been um, serious about my faith and it, it seems to be something that's hard to, hard to find um, but certainly worthy to pursue. And obviously, like Philippians 2 talks about, um, the core of humility is trying to emulate that attitude that Christ had um, and it's to consider others more important than ourselves. It doesn't matter whether, whether you're an elder of a church of 5,000 or the head pastor or you're just a child or wherever you fit into the congregation, we're called to, to uh, consider others more important than ourselves and it's something that I need to definitely keep reminding myself of and I think I came to college with this knowledge um, and it can be used effectively to encourage people but I really failed to be humble about it and um, thankfully God's provided me with a lovely wife to keep growing me in humility. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Josiah will do that as well if he gets old enough to challenge me about my sin. Um, but this humility, it's, uh, if, there's, if love covers everything then humility is not far behind um, in tying everything together as well. And I think it looks like, in terms of our church, being ready to learn from others and be teachable. Um, Instead of allowing things to divide us, sit down and try and understand someone else's perspective, understand why they think they do about um, whatever the issue is. There's a lot of things 
which divide us, which I just think are so foolish and um, don't need to. And I, that's a question that we can all ask is where are we at with humility at the moment? Um, but I particularly want to challenge you if you're a leader in the church, um, if you have any leadership role, whether it's a, a Bible study group, whether it's teaching, whether it's music, whether it's um, any other leadership role, it's critical for our leaders to have humility. Um, I've known of elders in the church, they've been to Bible college, um, they've been pastors for decades and yet when I look at their life um, there seems to be a real lack of humility sometimes and I really hope that as time goes on in my life uh, humility can be something that can be seen by everyone but certainly by Christ as he examines my heart we'll see that humility. Um, And if leaders don't have it, it's pretty tough for the congregation. And so as leaders get together, as they sort of out vision for the church, as they work together, don't push any disunity, any unforgiveness under the rug. You must deal with it. And uh, it's good, good that I haven't been here that long. I don't know any issues in the church, so I feel like I can give this message with um, clarity. Um, but certainly it's not just leaders, it's all of us. On the second part of our passage, um, Peter writes, on the contrary, repay evil with blessings. So he says, don't, don't repay insults with insults or evil with evil. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days, and I don't think there's anyone here who wouldn't want that, They must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And if we look at maybe the the virtue that comes out of this passage Um, It's really this calling to bless. And I've said there that um, unforgiveness and grudges are like spiritual rust and disease within our community. And too often I've seen grudges and unforgiveness from decades ago cause a split in the the current or cause disunity in the current. And so if I'd urge you to take home one thing from this message, it would be the need to deal with disunity in the community Um, I'm sure there's people here who have unforgiveness against other people here. If it's not, we're a very, very healthy community. Um, And so I'd urge you to consider Christ's forgiveness for you, to consider that whatever debt that other person owes you, it's not as big as your debt to God. And you go, well, surely Peter's not asking us not only to just forgive but to actually bless that person, to actually be active in their growth, their maturity, in loving them, in serving them. But that's, that's the nature of the call here. You know, it's, a, it's a high call. And uh, yeah, all I can say is that um, unforgiveness, it's very difficult to maybe deal with a grudge that's been there a long time. But the peace that it brings to your own heart as well as the whole community and that other person is, is so worth it. You might think, oh, it's just between me and them, but it impacts our whole community and it has the potential to destroy us. And uh, I think about Genesis 4.24. Uh, you might know 
uh, Noah's father, a bit of a uh, vengeful dude, Lamech, he said, if someone wounds me, I'm going to kill them. And he said, if Cain was avenged seven times, I'm going to be avenged 77 times. And I think naturally that's, that's our attitude. We think if someone hurts us, I'm going to get them back. But Jesus took Lamech's idea of 77 times vengeance and he said, actually, if your brother sins against you, forgive him 77 times. And obviously he wasn't limiting at that. But that's a lot of times. If someone sinned against you with the same thing 77 times and you've forgiven them, you're doing really well, I think. Um, but so it's so contrary to our natural desire to forgive but the strength of Christ within us we can and I urge you to do that. And this whole passage talks about um, something that's a, an ancient principle, 300, more than 300 times in the Bible it talks about this principle of um, being called to be a blessing. Abraham, through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. Uh, and so it's just so fundamental that we should be looking for ways to bless others. And so um, instead of disunity or spite or bitterness or these other things that Peter's asked us to get rid of, he says replace them with blessing. And it's just so practical. If, if you ever come across someone who disagrees with you for whatever reason or you're finding it hard to get along with them, ask yourself the question, how can I bless this person? It may be you may not have the grace to actually be able to talk to them in a civil way. So maybe you're better at home firing in prayer missiles into their life and encouraging them until God gives you the grace to, to really build them up. Um, so I just want to summary, uh, take a summary of what we've um, looked at this morning. Um, so we've considered this passage of um, Christian behaviour that Peter calls all Christians to in every context but we've applied it to the church um, and our whole life should reflect these characteristics. So don't just think church unity but that's where I wanted to focus on. Um, but you can also think how can I apply these things to my home to make it a more harmonious place? How can I apply it to my workplace? Um, but I am amazed by the power of God's word here in this passage. If you think about just these two verses um, verses 8 and 9 and the, and the following ones the power they have to get rid of problems in the church we've got this whole Bible but even just two verses if we follow them, if we obey them if we implement them we'd see our problems and disunity just chopped to nothing and uh, <coughs> we've also seen that these things can be essential in maintaining church unity. Um, that's where we applied them. <coughs> and we can reflect on our contribution. We can make negative contribution to church unity. We can make a positive contribution. The negative contribution would be the evil that uh, Peter talks us to turn from. Um, things like slander. James says if we slander someone we become the evil one. Um, and there's so many simple ways we can detract from the unity of our body here in our community. Or we can really look to try and think about some of these things and implement them uh, and grow unity. All of us have a part to play. It's uh, unity's the sort of thing that because we're one body, if one part over here is doing a bit better and they're working better together, the whole body benefits. 
And so we can sometimes have this small picture that my behaviour doesn't impact everyone, but it does. And uh, so we need to to live out our call to be a blessing within our community Um, and that's something that I can leave you with to reflect on. But it's something we need the Spirit's help with. Uh, We have unity in the Spirit and we're called to keep the unity and maintain it and work on it Uh, but it's only by the power of the Spirit and um, Jesus' resurrection and our power to live new lives that we can do that. So I want to pray for us in that. Dearest dearest Heavenly Father, I just want to commit our community here at Monty to you. Lord, we're your body. You're building us up uh, into a spirit, a temple for your Holy Spirit. We're all living stones that you're working on, works in progress. And Lord, we know our failings. We know that uh, so often uh, through our sin we can bring disunity to your body, Lord. And instead of acting as this cohesive body where everyone plays a different role but works together, uh, we sometimes butt heads and we work against each other and we clash, we have small differences. Sometimes our pride uh, rears its ugly head farther and sometimes uh, we don't act lovingly towards others. Sometimes we say things about people when not around. Uh, Maybe just meant as a little reflection but sometimes it can be slander and sometimes it can be gossip and can really hurt our community. Lord, in particular, I want to pray for um, any hard or bitter hearts we have here this morning, Lord, any, any hearts that are nursing unforgiveness. Maybe the offence was great. Maybe some uh, terribly unkind words were said. Maybe some unkind actions. Maybe a third party was hurt and uh, that's offended someone. Lord, I pray for any person here who needs to forgive someone that they'll have courage and they'll have the strength of your spirit to do that. I pray that as a, as a community we won't sweep things under the rug and pretend they're not issues. I pray we'll deal with things. I pray for our leaders to be humble and lead us well. I pray that they will work together as a cohesive team, not allow their personality differences or differences in peripheral uh, beliefs to get in the way of, of the, the great calling that you've given us, Lord, to to worship you, to glorify you uh, and to, to reach out to the lost. So I pray you'd unite us as, as your body and as a community to, to live for you, Father, to worship you, um, to be a light for you in our community. And I just pray, Lord, that we will uh, be a blessing with our lives and actively find ways to be a blessing to other people as you've called us to, Father. We ask for your Spirit's help in all these things, Father. Uh, We are weak but you are strong and we ask that your spirit would fill us and enable us to, to strive towards all these things. In the precious name of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.